Blog Talk Radio. Today, my brothers and sisters, fellow entrepreneurs and colleagues around the goal around the globe, ooh, early morning here. It is zero six hundred hours Eastern, ten hundred Greenwich, and this is Rudder Radio, your guide to thrive in any economy. This is William Eastman, managing partner for Applied Knowledge Labs, a North American business research company, uh, working exclusively with entrepreneurs, startups, business owners, and fast growth companies. I'm your host for the next 30 minutes. Uh, today's show is going to be on element three, the third part of a six-part series on what are the characteristics of business strategies for the companies that become market dominators, the companies that go from zero to a billion. Now, if you want to join us, you have some, you'll have some options. One is that uh, you can hit chat now at our show page, which is blogtalkradio.com slash the rudder, T-H-E uh, hyphen R-U-T-T-E-R. You can dial in to the switchboard and begin conversation at 347-215. Uh, 7471. You can uh, go to my blog, which is also on our show page, uh, where you will find show notes and um, backup information, or you can reach me on uh, Twitter. And just uh, most people say tweet, I say twit. Twit me at W. Eastman. Okay, today's show, third element in our market dominant business strategies. And this one is the issue of all of these companies took on monumental risk. And my thoughts on that before we kind of get into the, the overview is, uh, is this, is that this is, unlike yesterday, um, this is a tough subject. Yesterday was difficult to talk about or explain because it was fairly conceptual and it was not linear. You just couldn't go down the list. Today I have a list, so that's the easy part. We can just go one, two, three, and then you go to the blog site you can find the items, and from there you can uh, basically have your own checklist. What makes this difficult is entrepreneurship is already more risk-taking uh, than the vast majority of humanity can handle. When you when you will take a look at the people out there who are truly entrepreneurs and, and suited for this life, and I think in one of my earlier shows, in fact, I know because I always tell the story of my time in Africa um, and working with uh, in, and uh, micro laboratories uh, and startups, and uh, my revelation of the fact that uh, entrepreneurship is calling is that there's such a small number of us around the world, yet we are the drivers of economy, we're the drivers of jobs, uh, we're the wealth creators, etc., etc., etc. So already we're a very small population. And what you see a lot of times when you see companies go under, uh, they go under because somebody is running a business who should not be in that role. And it could be skill set. My guess is it's the inability to handle risk and uncertainty 
that kind of makes the difference. So you've got to be you've got to be some some combination of crazy and delusional to take a company from nothing, a dream that you have, convince everybody in your family that you're not crazy, convince investors, banks, whoever, to give you some working capital because unless you're independently wealthy, you're going to have to raise money at some point from some source. And so why is it that only one out of 400 companies become these market dominators, become these billion-dollar firms? And when, I, and when I say that number of one of 400, uh, that's not really the true metric. The true metric here is the, uh, and I'm doing this from memory, and we'll see how good I am this morning, is that I think I said that um, after two years, uh, one-third of the businesses that started up are gone, and what happened is one-third are profitable after two years, one-third are at break-even after two years, and one-third are underwater, and typically, entrepreneurs start undercapitalized, so if you're underwater, you're out of business. Then, then after four years, only 50% of them remain. So if we, still, if we stick with this number, uh, if 1,000 companies started uh, and on the same day that you did, that after two years, 333 companies are already gone, 330 companies are floundering, and only 330 companies or 333 companies you could consider successful. And of those thousand, of those 667, let's say companies that are left, uh, in four years, that has been now modestly dropped out to only 500 companies. So when I say one out of 400, what I'm saying is one out of 400 of this population. So that means out of 500 companies that are left, only one of you statistically will become that market dominator. So that's an incredible statistic. So if you went to an auditorium, you went to, a, to see a speaker, you went to see me speak, and there was a thousand people there, and I had you all stand up, and then, the, and then had everybody who didn't make it to big sit down, only one person in the room would be standing. Now, why is that? Well, part of the, the, the series that we're doing now, part of the series that we did uh, last week over the last couple of weeks around the stages of business growth is to give people the education. That why, that, why is that? Because typically, as an entrepreneur, by the time you've learned all that you need to learn, um, you've, been, you've been bankrupt several times and you're an old person. And so do you want to tackle at 55 years old? I know the startup, though this time probably it will make it, but you've also had several failures. You've burnt all the capital you have, all your wealth. You've probably shot your credit. So even if you can become successful, um, your ability to raise money might be limited. And so why is that? Why is only one out of that thousand uh, at that conference going to be the ones left? And I, I was thinking about this this morning. There's no data on this. I'm just giving you my practical experience. I think there's three things here. One is the vision is too narrow, is that uh, as, as business owners, there's a lot of people in business for whom they're really doing this uh, to create jobs for themselves and maybe some family members. Uh, I would call these solopreneurs or lifestyle entrepreneurs. In other words, you got laid off, you don't have a job, and you need to create a job. Well, this is an excellent way to go. In fact, um, and the book now is probably almost 10 years old. Uh, but Daniel Pink wrote a book called Free Agent Nation, 1998, 1999, 2000, I don't remember. But it was a great book because what he was looking at was the demographic changes of what was going to happen in the, in the country. 
and that at some point about 40% of America was going to be self-employed, at least as uh, subcontractors, uh, because of various things that were happening in the population and uh, tax code and things like that. So uh, you got to say to yourself, why am I in business? Am I in business to make a good living for myself, have a job, maybe hire my kids, leave something behind in terms of uh, let them inherit the business, then you're much more of a lifestyle entrepreneur. And my guess is that the metrics here, maybe two-thirds of the people in business, that's where they're at. However, if your dream is bigger, such as our dream, what we're doing with the Applied Knowledge Labs, our vision is to take the company public. Our vision is a billion-dollar firm. Our vision is a company that revolutionizes uh, the training, consulting, and coaching industries, and that we're commoditizing it. We're taking, we're basically making a, a product-based business, not a services-based business, which destroys the old. Uh, business model. All consulting firms operate like law firms in that they make their money from billable hours. Entrepreneurs don't have any money, and they're fairly practical people. And um, they say to themselves, what can one person possibly tell me in a day that's worth $5,000? And when you ask the question that way, as somebody who did it for 25 years, you're quite right. I'm not sure what it is that uh, I could do for you in one day that is worth $5,000 because there typically are no magic bullets. And so then the, the, the issue here then is what's your dream? And I want to talk to those people and we do talk to the people and we built the company around the people like ourselves who have these dreams of being the player, whether that is the biggest company in, in your space in Richmond, Virginia, which is where our Atlantic office is, or the biggest player in the Mid-Atlantic region or the biggest player in Western Canada, like our, like our Calgary office, or you want to be the biggest player in North America or the world, for those people that are thinking big, those individuals are the ones that are part of that population of one of a thousand. The second issue is the inability to raise capital. Um, as I said in my opening monologue here is that we're all many times capital challenged is that we don't start with a lot of money because typically the one, the business that works, the one is, that is successful is not the first one or the second or the third. And so what has happened is that all your friends and family with money, that pool has dried up. And the days when you had your own wealth and you sold everything off to invest in the business, those days are gone because that was a couple companies back. And that because this has happened, I'm sure that you're not looking at a 780 credit score. Um, so your ability to raise capital, at least on your own, on a signature loan, doesn't exist. You, you know, you're lucky if you can uh, go buy a car. And so that's the second issue. But I, I think the third one, and it's really the barrier I want to approach today, and that is the ability to handle the increased risk uncertainty. As I said two days ago when we did the introduction to this, is the issue of you took most of the risk when you quit that job and you quit that benefit package and that retirement package and you bet on yourself and you went into business. And what happens is that most people get to the point where this amount of risk and uncertainty chokes them. And the, But then you got to say to yourself, if I really want to grow this, I, I've got to take on more. And so one of the defining characteristics of strategies. If you look at these companies, they're all market dominators. What they had in common is that they, they were willing to take monumental risk 
to grow the company. So you've got the risk of doing it, the risk of going out and raising money, the risk of taking on um, employees when you're not sure the money where the money's coming from, all those good things. But now what you're going to do is you're not going to play it safe. What you're going to do is you're going to go out there and you're going to probably try to redefine a market. And so that is the thing that becomes absolutely the most challenging. And I think the reason why there's only one of a thousand in the room has less to do with talent and more to do with the ability to take risk. So let me put this into the context of what we've been discussing. Um, this series is about the market discipline or the, excuse me, market dominance. What, when you look at the strategies of all these different companies and all these different industries, what did they have in common in terms of how they built the strategy or what the components were? And so we get the six that we're going to talk about. One is uh, on uh, Monday we did, they do business in a new way. Uh, they're, they're clearly distinctive from everybody else, and it's just much more than products and services. It has to do with their business model and everything about the firm. When you do business with them, you know they're different than everybody else. Uh, number two, which is yesterday's show, is they, they look for an attack. And I, I thought about this hard. Um, what word to pick? Attack is the right word. They attack low-cost, high-margin opportunities. This is their meat. They look hard for it when they see it. They aggressively pursue it. Well, therefore, to aggressively pursue it and have this dream of, of becoming a market dominator requires what we're going to talk about today, and that is the ability to take monumental risk, your ability to go out there and just say, we are going to redefine an industry. We're going to redefine a product. And that requires, <laughs> that requires some real stones to pull off. Uh, tomorrow's show is about exponential returns. They've looked at all elements of the business and say everything that we do has to produce an exponential return, whether that's our marketing initiatives, our sales initiatives. Um, as we talked about yesterday, uh, making, generating profitability from your internal operations. Exponential returns in every part of the business. Then on Friday, um, excuse me, then on uh, then we're going to talk about uh, thriving on deals, partnerships, and alliances. Uh, and that is on the 11th, which is Friday. Then on Monday, we go over to outmanage the competition, and that it would be the last of that series of shows. And then what we're going to do on Tuesday next week, we're going to talk about what's left out. And Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is one of the things we didn't discuss in great detail on Monday and doing business a new way is what's your value proposition. Uh, on Wednesday, we're going to be talking about the business model, which is also doing business in a new way we didn't really talk about. And then finally, the thing on the branded side, which is going to be next Friday's show. So we've kind of laid that out. Um, let's, get, let's get into today's show. Let's get into the issues that are really critical from taking risk. All right, well, taking monumental risk. Two things here. Two things. One is, where's the big risk piece? The big risk piece is making the competition irrelevant. What we talked about in the first two uh, parts of this strategy is really this. You're creating a van brand new value proposition. You're creating a, van a brand new value in terms of how you do business. You're, you're basically saying to people, we're creating almost a new industry. And so what you're looking to do is not compete head-to-head -head with your competitors, 
You're looking to make them irrelevant. And so this is where the monumental risk really comes into play because more than likely, regardless of you know, how we want to look at it, where you're creating a new model, you're redefining the model, you're optim uh, excuse me, creating a new market, uh, redefining the market, optimizing the market, which was part of yesterday's conversation, it's so much easier and safer to say, well, what are they doing and we'll just do a little bit better. No, no, no. What you're saying is that we're going to take a look at how our competitors do business and we're going to take a look at what's happening in the economy and the marketplace, and we're going to take a look at what's happening to the customers and say, there's a brand-new business model. There's a brand-new business proposition out there. We're going to go there. And that is where the, the incredible risk is, because the, the answer would be to play it safe and do what everybody else has done. We discussed that at length over the last couple of shows, and I'm going to leave it there. So now... Given that you've taken that monumental risk, how do you deal with the, psych uh, the psychology of it? And that is, tactically, now it becomes, how do I change the odds? If we're going to go there, and the odds of success on this are incredibly bad, then what do I do to change those odds? Okay. So before I get into that checklist, let me just kind of take a break here. Now, we typically sometimes place around midpoint. Uh, we, we talk about how you can join the show. So, hey, you want to you want to join the show? Your options are go to the chat room at blogtalkradio.com/slash/therutter t h e hyphen r u t t e r and click chat now. You can dial in a switchboard at three four seven. You would think I'd have this stuff memorized two one five seven four seven one. You can go to my blog or you can hit me on uh, Twitter right now at W. Eastman if you've got some issues or concerns or something you want us to cover. So uh, who are we as a company? Well, are you tired of being tired? Uh, are you tired of being stressed out about the economy? Are you tired of being alone and transforming the business into reality? Are you, are you tired of the risk uh, that you're assuming because ultimately you're assuming all of it? Well, we're here. AK Labs, better known around here as the Labs. Uh, our role is providing you with the tools that you can grow your company regardless of what's going on in the economy. Uh, we have, we're predominantly in the products. Uh, those products are assessment tools. And our goal is simple. We'll, we'll just give you a snapshot of where you are today to baseline your company. In other words, here are the things that are working or not working. And then help you take the things that are working and accelerate those to pick up some momentum or for the things that are obstacles or barriers to being successful, how do we help you remove those so you, you can move on with the company? And I don't believe that really it's about surviving in the current economy. Um, I think it's you use the, this economy to build a better business so that as the economy begins to flatten out, understand all your competitors have also been whacked pretty hard, and now it's time for you to come out. And if you come out stronger out of this recession than your competitors, now it's time to take market share. So, what are the items? Well, let's take number one. Raise the bar from the beginning. And I've got, for those of you that like to take notes, and you know you're not going to rely on going to the blog site to get this, um, I've got seven. So let's take number one. Number one is raise the bar from the beginning. And what I mean is that if you typically set challenging goals and objectives for a project, I'm saying really create challenging goals and objectives. Because what we know about people um, 
uh, entrepreneurs or the people that you hire is this, is that everybody underestimates the obstacles and overestimates the ease of success. And there's been a lot of research done on it. I, what I found is an easy rule of thumb is fives. In other words, if you think it'll take X effort to make this work, multiply it by five because that's probably what it's going to take. If you think it's going to cost X to do it, multiply it by five. So at the very beginning, after you've, raised, you've said, okay, here are the goals and objectives for what we're going to do. We're going to, t we're going to take this huge risk. We're going to make the competition irrelevant. And it, we're going to do it with a combination of a new product or service and a new way of doing business at a new price point. Once you estimate of what that's going to take, I recommend at the minimum triple it and raise the bar from the very beginning so people are kind of like, wow, that's a big one. Number two, create a core team around this project. Now, I realize that if you're running a company and you're resource lean, you've got people working, but you're gonna, you, if you're going to do this yourself, you're not going to make it. And so you have to pull together a core group of people, and you have to give them some latitude to make this the dominant priority of what they've got going on. And so what you're looking for is you create this core team. Um, number one is you want them as focused as much as possible on this, because if this is a monumental risk you're taking with the business, the risk of failure is huge. You could probably sink the company. Then I think you can afford to have them focus on this at the expense of something else. Number two is you need people who are very bright. Um, don't put anybody on this team because they're, they're friends, they're relatives, or because the, the, maybe they've been around a while and you're being loyal. No, you want your best and brightest on this because you're going to challenge them um, to, a, a, to a level that it's almost disrespectful to other people because they're going to be over their heads. Uh, number three is you want to bring kind of a multidiscipline because typically using the scenario I gave you, which is ours, is that we're going to bring out revolutionary products that redefine the industry and commoditize uh, co uh, consulting, training, and coaching as we take it to entrepreneurs, business owners, and small businesses. Uh, that is multiple sets. And in our case, we need coders, people to write the database that we can automate this on. We need technology people so that we can build a platform that we can work from. We need people who are really experienced in the consulting business, the coaching business, and the training business so they understand what of the past to bring forward because one of the challenges you typically have is that some people um, are stuck in the past and want to do it like they've done. No, you want people who have that experience, but you want people very open to say, we don't have to do it that way. Um, and then the, the last piece of this is we needed people that are entrepreneurs to say, you know, basically, the, will the dogs eat the dog food? Will people go, yeah, that's pretty cool, I like it. And then the last part of that core team is flexible, and that's what I just hit on, is that if you've got people who caught up in the past, um, you don't need them here. Now, in fact, my recommendation would be if it came down to old and young, go with young. Uh, the old people may have more experience, but in this particular case, we need to be unencumbered by past solutions. So that's number two. Number three, everything about this process has to be collaborative. The problem solving has to be collaborative. Decision making has to be collaborative. Execution has to be collaborative because you're going to need all of this energy, all of these multidisciplines, all of these brains, all of this intellectual property working on this. And that doesn't mean it's a, it's a, a voting type of consensus on stuff. 
Uh, it could be that you are the final arbiter of the decisions, but as much as possible, you have to build this on a collaborative model, also a collaborative work platform. If you do not have a corporate intranet, um, then I highly, I highly recommend that you get one, and uh, I don't want to hear any feedback about it costs too much. With the, with, what's happening with the commoditization of uh, technology is that if you can, you can get an intranet for free if you want. In fact, I'll tell you right now, if you want to contact me separately, I can tell you how to use Google Sites, which is a free service, as a corporate collaborative inter internet uh, platform. Uh, so it, the issue here is about collaboration. Number four is collapse deadlines. And this kind of goes back to number one. Now, the issue here is not necessarily to get so, uh, f uh, to get ridiculous is the word I was looking for. But if somebody thinks it's going to take a week to do, Give them three days. Just think about it. If they get it done in three and a half days, you're still a day and a half behind. But it also forces, by collapsing deadlines, it also forces people to understand that it, right now in this initial uh, delivery, good enough cannot be held hostage to perfect. You're not going to get it perfect. What you do need to do is you need to get something that is right enough that works, that doesn't hurt your brand, that customers will pay for it, they will not be dissatisfied. But you need to get that out there. And so nothing is, uh, is uh, Samuel Johnson, a, a famous English doctor and a philosopher, for, I believe, from the 17th century once said, nothing will focus a man's mind more than the gallows. And so collapsing deadlines is a great way of keeping this on track because what you're really doing here is you're changing the odds of success, and you have to get into behaviors that will change those odds. So number four is collapse deadlines. Number five is double betting. You're going to come to forks in the road, several of them, where it's not going to be apparent which decision is the right decision to make. Do we go with X? Do we do go with Y? Do we go with Z? All the companies that we looked at that were able to go to be that one person standing out of a thousand is that when they got into situations like this and they got the fork in the road, they did the Yogi, Yogi Berra routine. You see a fork in the road, you take it. And in this particular case, taking that fork in the road, what that really means is, the, is to bet on several different approaches and have them compete against each other. All right, so if there's not, a, if there's not an apparent solve here at the beginning, Let's, let's do a couple of quick runs on a, uh, a couple of different competing designs and see which one works and let the winner, it's kind of a winner take all. In this process, do not, and this is number six, do not be afraid of bringing in outside subject matter experts. Reach outside. If you get an intractable problem you can't solve, reach outside and pull somebody in who's got a fresh perspective. Also is that if it's non-core what you're doing, you have a problem, an ancillary problem that could be a barrier if you don't get it solved, but it's not core to what you're doing, then you might be even able to outsource this particular piece. And then finally, number seven, is your first release is build it on some existing platform. In other words, if you are coming out with a revolutionary new product, make it a derivative of a current product because customers are comfortable with it, they're already there. And number two is that building it from scratch. Um, is going to be perhaps just too difficult to do. And so let me summarize here as we, have, as we come close to the end of the show, is that when you take monumental risks, there are two fundamental things you're doing. One is making the competition irrelevant. 
and shows one and two. Do business in a new way, tack low margin, uh, low cost, high margin opportunities, or how to do that. The second thing you've got to do is change the odds, which is the focus of this show, and there are seven things to do, kind of in order. One is raise the bar from the very beginning. Uh, people underestimate how difficult it's going to be, so at least use a factor of three. If you think it takes X, it really is going to take three X. Number two, create a core team that is uh, multifunctional, it's got the right talent, the right um, intelligence, the right flexibility. Number three is everything you do about this problem-solving, decision-making, execution is all collaborative, and it also builds yourself an, infra an electronic infrastructure to make sure that happens. Number four, collapse deadlines. Uh, if it takes, if somebody says it takes a week, no, it doesn't. It takes four days. Collapse the deadlines, and this will reinforce the concept of do not let good enough held hostage to um, perfect. Number five is double bet. When you get to a fork in the road, take it. If it's not apparent which choice is the right one, then do then do some quick experiments. Number six is bring in outside subject matter experts. Do not be afraid of doing that. Number seven, and the last one, is build your first release on an existing platform and because you already have a base. So anyway, let me say to you, I greatly appreciate you being with us this morning. Uh, or if you download this from the site, that's cool. You've got the blog to go to. Now attack today. Success and prosperity uh, for everybody. And ciao.